we're back. How's it was it a long break, but Hacker Slacker is back. Get ready for today's episode. Uh, it's looking like it is going to be a CES extravaganza. Oh my gosh, there's so much stuff that's happened in the past three weeks. And then this week, of course, is CES. Which... Yeah, so we're covering um, basically all of the news that happened over the break that we were gone the last like three weeks or something like that. And then we're going to be um, covering what happened this week, which is mainly CES. And if you haven't heard of that before, buckle in because it's a, it's a wild ride for most people. Yeah. All right, so let's start uh, with what happened over break. Uh, Jacob, tell me about your break. Yeah, first I want to talk a little bit about kind of what I did uh, tech-wise over my break. So um, I spent all my time back in Kansas City with my family at my house, um, and there were a few things that I needed to get done um, programming-wise, preparing for class-wise, and I tried to kind of solve them in ways that uh, use tech that I kind of wanted to explore more. So like one example was, um, for my fraternity, I'm like making, um, shifts for that. The whole chapter has to do like these jobs. Um, and so what traditionally was a big Excel sheet and like using random.org and like a three hour long process, I made a, uh, static website, uh, with HTML and JavaScript, but I did it for my iPad. So I was exploring all these different apps that you could use to make websites on the iPad. So a bunch of different text editors, a bunch of different um, things that I could use to get a JavaScript console going. I even kind of started working on my own um, browser for iOS that lets you uh, do some more like debugging style things. And all in all, that was pretty cool. I think I came up with a pretty good system for making kind of little script-like tools on the iPad. Um, You can kind of just use a text editor and a normal browser to make a static website and then host it on a service like GitHub Pages or Netlify for free. And all of a sudden you have like an application that you can share um, with anybody. Uh, You can use their domains, like, because if it's just like a little internal tool, you don't need like a custom domain for it. So you don't even have to pay for that. Um, And it's free hosted like ostensibly forever. So. I thought that was a pretty cool little system. Um, And then the other big thing we did is, uh, as you know, one of our classes that we're taking this semester requires Windows um, to do some .NET development. And so, um, I don't know, what what did you do for that? Did you use Bootcamp? Yeah, so I I got Bootcamp all set up. And it took me a while because I had to download the Windows support software. Yeah. And that didn't properly download the first time. So I had to wait because... Uh, like I said in the best of episode that I edited together, I was on vacation while I was editing that, but I didn't have a flash drive with me and you need a flash drive to install that yeah. support software properly. So I couldn't do it until like the weekend we got back, but then I got everything all set up and uh, yeah, uh, I've just been using bootcamp and it's kind of annoying to have to relaunch and then also use a hundred gigabytes of my storage, but you know, it's not that big of a deal. Yeah, so for me, I have a, like, 256-gig laptop, and I'd done, like, a Windows partition before, and it was the same thing where it's, like, kind of annoying to have to restart. Um, But once you do, it's a pretty nice experience. Um, But the part about losing, like, 100 gigs was something that I just couldn't really do at this point. I think I have, like, 50 free gigs on my my machine, so I was like, okay, I'm going to do this on an external SSD. So I got myself a Samsung T5, a USB-C external SSD, uh, it doesn't require power or anything, so I can just slip it in this little pouch in my backpack, take it out in class, plug it in, and then reboot from Windows on that drive. 
So it's a 256 gig drive. I think it cost me like 80 bucks. Yeah, um, and that's that's essentially like just buying another cheap, cheap computer, but it'll run with the processor speed of your MacBook. Yeah, and I can keep my Windows computer totally separate. So if I don't have that drive, there's no Windows stuff on my PC or on my Mac laptop. I don't have to worry about that sort of thing. Um, and it, it was a little more involved than just using boot camp. You had to actually like um, get like a virtual machine running on your Mac and then like format the drive from Windows and a bunch of complicated stuff. But uh, it, it took like an hour or so and I think it ended up working out really nicely and I've been using it for class. So um, I'm pretty happy with the way that turned out. How about you? Did you uh, get into any interesting tech? Um, I don't think I got any interesting tech, but my brother did get an iPhone XR, so I've been able to mess around with that a bit, and it's just such a nice phone. Nice. I will talk about it later, but it's not doing very well, and I'm, I'm kind of shocked about that, um, especially since it's a little cheaper, and it's essentially an iPhone X. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll get to that later, but otherwise... One yeah. other big thing I did, um, I guess a lot of the things I was doing was exploring the capabilities of the iPad Pro. Obviously, we've both been very excited about these devices, and I still have my old one. Well, I mean, it's not even a year old at this point, but I still have my same iPad Pro, and I've been kind of trying to see what I can do as a developer with it. So like I said, working on static sites, but also um, to do like more back-end web development, you kind of need... Um, a remote machine. So what I did was I got a Raspberry Pi, um, which I've, I've got before and I kind of messed one up. Like I literally physically broke the device. Um, <laughs> so now I, I went to a store in Kansas City, got a new one. And what I've done is I've hooked it up to um, my Wi-Fi back home, which since I'm from Kansas City, we have Google Fiber, which is super oh, nice. So it's got nice. pretty quick ethernet. And then I've exposed it in a way like using port forwarding so that I can SSH into it from my iPad. Um, at any point. So if, let's say, um, I want to work on a website that involves a little more like um, back-end logic, like I can actually use my iPad to hook into that computer and then develop from there, like in a huh. full Unix environment. So um, that was kind of another interesting thing to get set up, um, another pretty cheap thing. That was pretty cool. I like that. Yeah, I, I spent a lot of time... Uh outside of tech on break i've watched a lot of videos slash docuseries nice. uh, learning history and stuff but no i don't think i spent too much time on new tech cool all right you want to get into the news yeah so um uh, the first story that i have for us here is uh about apple stock i'm sure a lot of you have heard about this because it's been happening for the past few weeks maybe even month or so uh but apple is not doing very well yeah, it's crazy. They were the first company to hit um, the billion dollar or the trillion dollar market cap. Sorry, um, and now they're the story since then has just been this like dramatic fall. Um, and Tim Cook actually had uh, the CEO of Apple put out a statement um, last week, kind of explaining why this is happening, along with a, a revenue adjustment um, because they were going to miss the range that they were shooting for. So. Um, that was all pretty crazy. Um, they pointed to a lot of different reasons, including the current like trade situation with China, the uh, iPhone repair program, or the iPhone battery replacement program that they were doing, which if mm -hmm. you remember, you can replace your iPhone battery for $30 if it's like below a certain health percentage. And that $30 uh, is probably paying for like the materials itself and not a ton towards the labor. So I'm assuming they were losing a decent amount of money on that. But I mean, 
those two things combined, or I mean, that battery replacement program, you wouldn't really think that that would affect the the bottom line. The bottom that. line this much, you know, like you wouldn't think that that would knock them outside of their projected range because when they project revenue, they give a range of like I think it was like a ten billion dollar yeah. or million dollar I think billion dollar range that they could be in, and it's like they're missing that by like five billion dollars. So um, it's kind of crazy. Mostly, uh, the signs are pointing towards China and. Samsung and LG have uh, came out with statements saying that they're also projecting sales because of these trade relations that are going on um, with all these tariffs, like manufacturers and electronics makers especially are having a harder time um, selling devices into China. So Yeah. What's yeah. interesting is um, just yesterday, I believe. Yeah. So just yesterday, which was Wednesday, um, 9to5Mac reported that Apple is cutting prices for Chinese vendors on iPhones. So the 8, the 10R, the 10S and the 10S Max all got price cuts in China. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, they're I think they're seeing struggling iPhone sales overall, which I mean, it it is an S year, so Yeah. Um the the 10S upgrade was pretty incremental, you know, if you ask the normal person what the difference between the 10S and the 10 is, they probably couldn't really tell you. If you ask me, I can barely remember what they are. I remember there was a lot of improvements to the camera and that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but, uh, and then the big shock to me, I think was, as you mentioned a little bit earlier, was the 10R, or yeah, the 10R. I thought that would kind of be um, a big uh, driver of sales and like hitting that lower price point, uh, the nice design, having most of the features that the like high level phones have, but it just, it doesn't seem like it's really like lit the fire that Apple thought it would. Yeah. I really like the 10 R and I, I understand it's still a pretty expensive phone, but for an Apple phone that is their, their mid level, I guess, uh, they don't really have like a, a budget phone, but they always have like a flagship. And then in some years they have a mid level, uh, phones like the five C or the SE and now the 10 R. Yep. Um, the 10R is by far the best of the 5C, SE, and 10R, right? Uh, the 5C was a bust. Understandable. It was a cheap, almost plastic phone that nobody really liked. And it hit, like, right at the time that people were transitioning to bigger phones. So yeah. just, like, this smaller, cheaper phone was, like, not really what people were in the market for, you know? Yeah. And then the SE was a little bit more niche because it did still have the body of the 5 uh, and the 5S, but the internals were really good, and uh, my brother, who just got the 10R, had had the SE for several years. Um, my dad still has it, and it's a good phone. It works. Um, it's a dependable iPhone for people who wanted a little bit cheaper one. But now you have the 10R, which has pretty much every really great aspect of the 10. Um, not not quite the 10S, but of the 10, besides the dual cameras uh, and the OLED screen. But it's an LCD screen. The liquid retina is beautiful. I mean, they put it on that new iPad Pro, which is maybe my f favorite piece of tech ever. I really want to get one yeah. of those because it is just, it's so nice. But then the 10 R, uh, it has that same display and it's, it's kind of confusing to me how little it's selling because I, you would think it would be more popular. They've got more colors. They have the same internals as the 10 S and it's, it's basically, it's better than an eight for sure. The thing that like, I see the main, like a huge benefit as is the size. Like it's a, yeah, it's, to me, it's the per, like it's the size I would personally want because it's not the extreme size of the 10s Max or the normal size of the 10. Like it's a nice in between. Um, but one of the defining features to me about this phone, like in terms of its marketing, has been that if you are just like a, an average consumer, you would think 
that the price of this phone is $499 because when you see Apple's marketing, when you see their posters, it's get the new iPhone XR for $499 and then with a the little asterisk and it's like with a trade-in of like a yeah. recent iPhone. It's like, okay, so they're really pushing in this new trade-in thing. Mm-hmm. Maybe th- that campaign's not going as well. I think what we're seeing is like smartphones have been around for a while. People are holding on to their phones and non-Chinese manufacturers are having trouble getting into China. So... Um, they're not seeing the growth that they were projecting in that area. Um, they've been talking about that area as a huge area for growth for a while. So, I mean, now they're going to have to start looking towards other areas or just, uh, hope that the like U S relations gets, uh, their act together. But I don't know. It's a, it's an interesting time in tech for sure. Um, and definitely an interesting time in the stock market. Yeah, that's, that's for sure. So yeah. Um, in more Apple news, uh, this kind of has, it's part of the storyline that we've seen over the last couple of years of Apple trying to boost their services. And what I mean by that is basically everything that they make money on that's not them selling hardware. So that's their their Apple Music, uh, iCloud services, that sort of thing. And so what they are doing is they're bringing iTunes and AirPlay to a lot of Samsung branded and other manufacturers as well, smart TVs in 2019. So this kind of ties in with CES a little bit, but... Um, announced this week at CES, um, they, a lot of these manufacturers um, are including these two things in their TVs, which is huge for iPhone users. You know, if you can just walk up to any TV in your house and play your uh, iTunes content or AirPlay to it, it kind of eliminates the need for an Apple TV. That's what I was going to say. I, I kind of wonder um, if that new Apple TV has kind of been maybe had some issues with sales like the rest of Apple's products because um, they did just come out with what the Apple TV 4 last year yeah it was like the Apple TV the new 4k one yeah and the 4k one as well and they made all these really great additions to TV OS yeah but uh, yeah it's really interesting uh, but super awesome really because uh, the fact that I won't have to soon I won't have to get a Chromecast or a uh, fire stick or anything like that just to connect my phone to the tv will be great plus it's a lot easier to control uh, a tv from your phone than it is from like a smart device or a remote yeah um and i i think one of the main factors here is like there's going to be a lot of homes that have these tvs like five ten years from now and these tvs are the cheap tvs there's not going to be there's never going to be a hundred percent of homes that have like whatever the smart boxes are, whether it's the Apple TVs, the yeah. Samsung Fire Sticks, or the uh, Amazon Fire Sticks, like all those things, uh, they're never going to have like complete market share. So at a certain point, you're going to want to be built into the TVs. And that's something that we saw with Netflix. Like you basically can't buy a TV these days without Netflix getting yeah. pre-installed on it. And so um, as Apple's gearing up their services, one of the ones that they're building towards probably in 2019 is their own video streaming service. Yeah. And we've seen this in their financials where they're spending a billion dollars on original uh, video content. Um, And so that content is going into a service. Everyone knows it. And so when that service launches, they want to have the ability to have it be on all TVs. Otherwise, like if if you could only play it on um, the, the Apple TVs and the iPhones and maybe your laptops, like... That sounds like a lot of devices, but when you look at how many people use Windows, how many people just watch TV, you know, you're not going to have a, ga- a Game of Thrones level hit that is going to sell your streaming service yeah. if 
like you aren't more accessible than that. So I think that's a major influencing factor on this. Maybe not that the Apple TV is performing way below where they would want it to be, but just that if they're trying to make content at this scale, then they need to like be able to have people access it at a scale to match it. Yeah, and it almost kills the idea that Apple would natively build their own TV. Um, it, I'm sure it's something people would always wonder, would Apple make their own TV, um, their own TV hardware? And uh, the fact that they're, even before they're announcing a streaming service, are letting uh, AirPlay go on to other manufacturers' TV, TVs uh, makes me believe that they probably won't pursue that. Yeah, I think it was rumored a while ago that they had, like, a finished, like, Apple-built television, um, and they just decided, like, this is a product that we can make, and we did kind of make a prototype, and we decided this isn't something that we want to sell. It doesn't really um, mix with our business model, so um, that's that's something that I've heard and something that kind of makes sense, especially when they can do something like this. You know, they can focus on their more core products, um, but yeah, so I'm looking forward to seeing how Apple can compete with, you know, Netflix and Amazon Prime Video, even if I don't necessarily believe that they're capable of doing it from what I've seen so far. Yeah. All right. Uh, you want to move us on to the next story? Yeah. Um, so one of the big themes of 2018, obviously, was like privacy and where is your information going? Um, and the year kind of ended and 2019 started with this big news story coming out with an aspect of this that I'd never really thought about before, and that is um, your cellular uh, service provider like Sprint, T-Mobile, and AT&T were all found to be doing this, selling your current location um, to third parties, like in real time. So this was a motherboard piece. Um, uh, motherboard is like a, a vice uh, media property about how um, they were able to spend $300 um, to pay a bounty hunter who used a uh, website that he had a membership on, who bought information from a site that sold, that bought information from another site that went through this whole long chain that eventually bought information from Sprint that would sell the current location of a device just by phone number. So mm. um, $300 isn't that much money, and it pinpointed him down to a, a radius of about a block. Oh, man. So if you think about um, this information being publicly available and kind of the, the the like malicious things that can happen because of it, you know, if you think about stalking, you know, there's a bunch of bad cases where um, a third party would easily pay three hundred dollars to get the location of a telephone number, um, and so this was just crazy. Um, it's something that these carriers have said that they're not doing. Um, so I'm glad that this reporting is out here to say, like, we've confirmed that we were able to get location data on phones from Sprint, AT&T, and T-Mobile. Um, I'll note that there was no report of Verizon, um, which is which is interesting and yeah. kind of good for them, obviously. It's good for me. I use Verizon. <laughs> yeah, well, I use Sprint. So uh, if you want to figure out where I am right now, um, maybe find my phone number online and pay to have it looked up. There is actually an example, an even crazier example of a site that... Um, the site had a bug in it, so you could actually just kind of skip, pack the, skip past the whole payment process and just look up anyone's current location for free. So um, this is the world we're living in now, um, and I think a lot of people are just accepting it, but um, if you're like me and maybe you thought that your 
like cellular data wasn't the way it was going to get you. You know, yeah. that's been around for a while. People have thought about this. It's a regulated industry. You thought that these things would have been taken care of. Well, now you have another thing to be worried about. So, I mean, you would think that for sure your current location would fall under personal identifiable information, right? Yeah. PII, that is information that cannot be disseminated outside of the company. It can't even be disseminated to most of the employees of the company. Very few people can ever see that information. Uh, the, they for sure can't sell that. They're supposed to take all of that data away and hide it f except for a few security people, right? So the fact that they're just out here selling that data is kind of ridiculous. Yeah, and they did diagrams of the whole chains of companies that it goes through because yeah, they don't just right sell here. it directly to the public. But um, I would definitely recommend like digging into this story for yourself because it's pretty interesting, but also it's um, there's a bunch of like legal issues involved. Um, and so don't just take my word for it, but I definitely thought that it was a great piece by Motherboard um, and another great uh, thing in the... like privacy era news of these great reports coming out yeah. about how we're all getting screwed, I guess. Yeah, we'll definitely put all the links to all of these stories and all of our sources in the description of the podcast. Um, anything else on that one? Nope, that's all I got. All right, so my last story here is that Microsoft is basically challenging Amazon to a duel and uh, partnering with Kroger to, uh, quote, redefine grocery retail. <laughs> so essentially they're letting you just take your smartphone and use it to go shopping. It's essentially Amazon Go, but it, with Microsoft software and cloud and AI. Um, there's not much to it besides that from what I've seen so far. They haven't really done uh, all that much, but the fact that it is in a very widely distributed grocery store, Kroger, they have stores in like 48 states or 50 states or something ridiculous. Um, they're everywhere, so they they have the distribution channel, they just need to get the technology, which is kind of the opposite of the problem for Amazon Go, where they have the technology, they just don't have the distribution. Yeah, and Microsoft is also like known for partnering with Walmart to do a lot of their like web presence, so um, Microsoft's definitely open to fighting Amazon you know, to get that market share any way it can, and I'm sure that if they develop um, good technology here, and are willing to sell it to other private companies, um, a bunch of Amazon's competitors like Walmart will be very open to hearing uh, what their deal is. You know, I'm sure Walmart is looking to get this sort of thing for themselves. And there's obviously tremendous amounts of money to be made for people who are like, we can't let, let Amazon own this entire industry. You know, I want to defend my stake in it. So yeah. um, I think that in 2019, we're going to see lots of like more interesting moves being made in the like checkout without a cashier and only using technology area, yeah. so we'll see. Yeah. Speaking of Amazon, one of Amazon's companies is Audible, and Audible is actually sponsoring today's podcast. Jacob, do you use Audible? Um, I have used Audible in the past, but I don't currently use Audible now. Yeah, I love Audible. I The most recent book I listened to was a book for my stats class, actually, that I really enjoyed um, called The Signal and the Noise by Nate Silver. I highly recommend it. And if you want to try it out, you can go to audibletrial.com slash hackerslacker to get a 30-day free trial. Uh, absolutely free. You can get up to like six titles in the month, and then you can go on and get a subscription if you like. I really love Audible. Uh, you can play it on your Echo devices, you can play it on your phone, you can play it wherever you can get the app. It's a great thing to have. 
So go to audibletrial.com slash hackerslacker. The free trial is definitely something that I recommend. That's what I did because audiobooks are pretty expensive. Um, and so six free books is definitely a way to see if it's worth it to you. Um, and I thought that you could get a lot of valuable content out of it. So I definitely recommend going and checking out that free trial for us. All right, let's get into our main topic. So the main topic today is the Consumer Electronics Showcase. Andre, Yes. I know about the Consumer Electronics Showcase. You know about the Consumer Electronics Showcase. But maybe the listener does not know about the Consumer Electronics Showcase in Las Vegas. So do you want to tell them a little bit about it? Absolutely. I love <laughs> CES. Um, if you listen to, there's a podcast called Tech Stuff. Every year, uh, he goes to CES and he does a show and he talks about the history sometimes. It was either CES 2018 or CES 2017. I forgot which year, but he went into a little bit of the history of CES. Um, so we're going to go into a little of the history right now so you know what it is. So it's, it was called the Consumer Electronics Show when it was first made in 1967 and it's been running up until today. They shortened it to the acronym CES and then CES is what it's just called. It's not an acronym for anything anymore, but it's still uh, commonly called the Consumer Electronics Show. So CES is this huge tech convention that happens in Las Vegas. It was started as a way for these manufacturers to show off to the stores that would sell their products, uh, what the products for the next year were going to be. So it's all of these crazy things. Um, oftentimes you see stuff that will never get released because they just want people to, they just want to show off to the stores that will be selling these products. So what happens is all of these companies bring all of their tech to the Las Vegas convention center in Las Vegas, Nevada, and they just show off everything that they possibly can. Um, sometimes things don't work. Uh, sometimes they do, sometimes they're not released, sometimes they are. But CES always happens at the beginning of the year. It's really great because you get to start off the year with an outlook on what's going to happen in the next year in tech. So we have a whole bunch of stuff here for what 2019 is going to hold uh, from the past few days. Tomorrow is actually the final day of CES, but usually all the big stuff is announced before the last day. So we've got most of the stuff here. Yeah, so it's... Uh, the short and sweet of it is kind of that it's just like an opportunity for all of these consumer electronic brands to just kind of flex on everybody yeah. <laughs> with all of the cool stuff that they can do, even if it's like not always the most reasonable, like not always like this is going to hit stores now, but it kind of gives you a glimpse at the future or the one that they see. Um, and one of the biggest categories is TVs. So Andre, if you want to uh, jump in there, talk yes. about that. So uh, one of the notes we have here is actually about the AirPlay support coming to a ton of new smart TVs. We talked about it that in the news section. Um, also, there are 98-inch 8K TVs now from both Samsung and Sony. Um, uh, I'm trying to imagine what a 98-inch TV would look like in my dorm room. I don't think it would <laughs> fit in here. <laughs> Yeah, so I can make it work. a lot of ridiculous technology. Um, so there, there's just all of these ridiculous TVs that come out. Last year, there was one that just had this blaring sound that was super high quality. I think it was a Sony TV that had just super high audio quality um, that would like get up to a level that could just deafen you. But um, I don't I don't recall that one ever actually coming out. But um, there's also this new LG roll-up TV. So it like rolls down into a box and it actually rolls. The, t the screen 
like bends in the TV rolls into a box and then it comes back out and it's OLED, which means it's like a super high quality TV with a built-in stand that it just goes back down into. It's like you're in an Iron Man movie. Yeah, I actually think that's one of the coolest uh, TV related things that released. It's kind of like um, built in all these individual little horizontal segments, kind of like a, a tank's track is. So it can roll down into this little box. Um, and it sounds kind of crazy, but they actually came up with a couple pretty cool use cases for it. So um, if you're not watching TV, it can kind of sit in this little status bar mode and show you like the weather and the time and stuff like that um, in this little thin mode. Or, I mean, obviously it can be completely hidden down into its box. Um, and then another thing that um, they didn't like officially announce support for, but that um, would kind of actually make the rolling thing more useful is if it could roll to support like the different aspect ratios. So instead of yeah. having like black bars on either sides of the screens, uh, just when you're watching a movie in a certain aspect ratio, um, you can just kind of roll it down and then, or press the button and it'll roll down and kind of be the, the perfect size. So you never have the black bars, you never have the bezels, yeah, that sort of thing. It'll be interesting because we're kind of getting into this like, two to one aspect ratio area era um the new iphones um pretty much most large smartphones will yeah. play video at a two to one aspect ratio and so a lot of content creators especially on youtube because you watch a lot of your youtube content on your phone are making widescreen two to one ish aspect ratio videos and so if you can watch that properly on your tv as well uh, i think we might get to see some really awesome content made in that aspect ratio. And personally, I really prefer that aspect ratio to the regular one. Um, I think widescreen is just awesome. Yeah, uh, you definitely see like widescreen film in it. And then you see because of like the new trend in smartphone, like you said, these taller phones. So um, it'll be like, I wonder if stuff's going to shift towards that. But right now it's just kind of annoying when I have to watch videos on my kind of yeah. square shaped <laughs> iPad and it's like, not even taking up most of the screen, but yeah. So, um, did you see any other interesting stuff in TVs? Um, I don't, I don't think so. Uh, there are always a ton of TVs. So these were just some of the highlights. Yeah. And I'm not like super in the market for TVs you yeah, know, as a college I, student. So I got a, a cheap TV to play my PlayStation and that was all I needed. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So, uh, the next thing I put on here was something that, um, was seen at LG's booth. They have these uh, USB-C only displays, which are kind of an interesting concept, especially for like uh, MacBook Pro users. So Thunderbolt can deliver um, video and power in the same cord. So you can plug in one cable to your display and then unlike a traditional monitor where the display then has power coming out of it to plug into the wall, the display can actually be powered solely by the MacBook. So like if you would imagine a situation where like you walk up to a display, um, plug in your MacBook to power, and then plug in your MacBook to the display. That's all you would need to have. So that display all of a sudden becomes super portable. You know, you could yeah. take it with you to a coffee shop. You could do whatever with it. So the concept that they have is they have this stand that's like um, kind of like a normal computer monitor stand um, in one mode, but then it's like not even really attached. So you can kind of like fold it down and have it be something a little more portable that you could sit next to you on the desk and be more like laptop screen height so yeah it's just a, an interesting idea and something that i would like to see be uh very cheap and something that i could actually use yeah. so uh maybe in a few years but yeah i thought that was pretty cool yeah that's awesome um 
speaking of MacBook Pros and Apple, uh, Apple had an ad right outside of the convention center in Las Vegas where they said what stays, what happens on your iPhone stays on your iPhone. Kind of a play on the what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Yeah. Kind of touting their security, how they have the, uh, what's their security chip called? I forgot. The like T2 and everything. Yeah, 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 yeah. The T chip inside of their new devices. And they're like, hey, we're more secure than uh, Google and um, Amazon who have had some some data breaches and data leaks recently. Uh, so I, I just thought that was interesting because Apple doesn't go to CES. Yeah. Um, so they, they had this huge ad there and then they also have a ton of accessories that are made for only their products that show up at CES as well as the fact that these all of these TVs, Apple took the TV spotlight this year uh, yeah. without even being there. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, it, they definitely had a presence. Uh, I, I always think that the putting up an ad campaign like that is bold because like all of a sudden when apple has like a if apple had like a big data breach this week or something yeah like right before ces that ad would have just been like the laughing stock of the internet but um thankfully they're apple and they don't have data breaches that often yeah like i don't really remember any big ones so um they can do things like that but yeah i thought uh is pretty clever um, and not the type of advertising you normally see from Apple. Yeah. I mean, Google put up like a, a roller coaster, I think, or some sort of, yeah, they had a, <laughs> I didn't had a, see that. Yeah. They had like a fair ride in a booth out, like in the parking lot. Yeah. Was, yeah. <laughs> it seems interesting <laughs> way of uh, displaying your presence there. Um, another thing that they had there is the Byton M bytes, probably the most, uh, prolific car that showed up there it's like a luxury electric car i actually got to see this when i went to TechCrunch in san francisco in september um there's some photos in our notes here and i will share those on twitter as well but this is an awesome car yeah another uh potential tesla killer right there's been a whole bunch of these uh uh coming up like since in the last couple of years so it'll be like i want to see one of these things actually hit the market you know yeah they their dashboard is like this touch screen that just goes from the left to the right side <laughs> as wide as seven iPads. Uh, so y- all of your information and maps are on this, like just flat screen that goes straight That's across crazy. your car. Yeah. Uh, there's like an iPad essentially where your horn would be. There's like a whole <laughs> display. It's, it's going to be a super nice car. Um, I probably will never be able to afford it or maybe even see it. Yeah. So yeah, cool. Oh yeah, the next thing I put on here is the, uh, it's called the Asus ROG Mothership, which is kind of a crazy name, um, but it's this crazy new gaming portable, so um, what the Verge called it was a Surface Pro for gamers, Yeah. Um, which I, the Surface Pro, if you don't know, is kind of like Microsoft's um, tablet computer. And tablet computers are, if one thing, not for gamers. Yeah. So (laughs) what this device is, this mothership is, it's like a tablet-ish, but it's three inches thick, and the keyboard's mechanical, and it detaches. Detaches, yeah. And (laughs) has a built-in trackpad off to the right. um, And inside the tablet is a bunch of fans and, like, actual PC um, gaming components it kind of looks like if you took an echo show you made it a little bit bigger and put in gaming hardware exactly and then you yeah. just had a wireless mechanical keyboard and i'm sure you'll plug in whatever gaming mouse you use for it uh-huh. but, uh so, yeah. yeah so i mean this thing is completely nuts it's definitely one of the probably the most unique like piece of pc hardware i saw out there yeah. um 
And one of the like use cases for it could be um, if you're someone who like goes to friends' houses and plays together, goes to esports tournaments, you know, needs to bring their computer together in like a pretty compact mode and like isn't really going for the bleeding edge graphics quality, then um, this is a crazy option that maybe one day you'll be able to consider. Yeah, one day. And then kind of going along with that uh, crazy innovation in the like gaming portable um, industry, the like normal laptop industry for laptops that uh, people like me and you would buy uh, totally stagnated this year. Um, and a lot of that has been due to um, Intel's chip releases. There hasn't been um, any substantial releases from Intel since last year. Um, and as a result, um, the laptop industry hasn't seen any huge leaps forward. You know, yeah. most of the industry is dependent on Intel to update their chips. Um, and there's been kind of a little bit of a freak out about them missing some of their deadlines, um, not getting out these new things that, uh, they said were, they were going to release as fast as they said they could. So, um, what Intel's kind of done is... Um, they've put out their plan for how they're going to go forward over the next few years to hopefully calm some of these concerns down. Um, but a lot of people think it's too late for Intel to win Apple back over. Um, Apple's kind of, we've seen their laptop line, uh, things like the MacBook Air didn't get an update for a few years until this year, actually. And a lot of people think it's because of Intel-related issues. Um, if the main chip behind your computer just isn't ready or you're waiting on them to make something that they're missing the deadline on, then it's going to push your whole hardware back. So a lot of people think Apple's going to be producing their own CPUs in the future. Um, but that's kind of a topic for a whole other show. You know, yeah. our Macs are something that is totally crazy and would I think would be awesome, especially considering how fast we see these new iPad Pros are. Um, but the laptop industry overall just kind of saw minor refinements this yeah, year. Yeah, like there's the new XPS 13. Um, looks just like the old one, except the camera's bit, above the screen. better camera, yeah. and it's above the screen now, um, and it's in white now, so there's that. But And in the Verge's coverage just across the board, it was kind of just like, yep, this new laptop, there's this small reason that it's better than the last one. Uh, maybe they updated their display a little bit, but... No better processor, nothing yeah. crazy that you should upgrade because, like, if you have last year's models. There's no reason a power user needs to get a new laptop this year. Mm -mm. It seems well. It's January 10th, but <laughs> well, yeah, we'll, I mean, we'll see. these of these ones that they've shown. So yeah. I definitely think um, at at WWDC this summer we might see some reasons that some people would be getting new laptops, hopefully from Apple. But um, we can talk about that in a different episode. So yeah, yeah. Um, and then also Google Assistant got some upgrades. Um, I just kind of minor, but Google was there. Uh, they had a, that whole thing right out in the parking lot. They had their little ride, but also they gave Assistant some really cool upgrades. What I thought were, uh, they have live translation now, which, uh, had kind of been touted in the pixel buds previously, but Google Assistant will do it now. Uh, they'll have live translation. So if you're on a call, uh, or something, your home hub can like display your live translations and stuff, which is pretty neat. That is incredible. Yeah, yeah. when you think about it, just the like instant communication with someone like in a different language. That's yeah. so cool. And then it can check you into your flight, which is just super convenient. Yeah. Um, for people who are traveling, uh, if they have a Pixel or a Google Home or whatever, and they're like, "Hey, check me into my flight," just right before they head to the airport. 
um, they can just get on, especially if they're traveling for business, don't have too much luggage. It'll be really nice. And then uh, you can you can share your Google Maps ETA uh, with Assistant, which is super nice. Uh, most I share that mostly because I drive up to my parents' house in Minnesota from here in Nebraska, which is a nine-hour drive, uh, and I don't want to be... I want to try to do everything hands-free, and mm-hmm. my car has CarPlay, so I will hit the Siri button, and I tried saying to share my ETA, and it just didn't. Um, oh, so, that's crazy. Yeah, I found out that you cannot share your Maps ETA through Siri. That's whack, because if you go to Messages, have you seen that thing where if you... Uh, if you have like a directions things going on in Apple Maps, and then you go to say like uh, I'll be there in, it'll autofill what, oh, okay. what your ETA is. Yeah, that's so what I was trying to get Siri to do. Yeah. We're, we're using Google Maps. No, I was. I've you were used, using uh, Apple, Apple Maps, Maps and yeah. Siri couldn't. That's yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, it's just like yeah, it's just dumb things <laughs> like that. That's why Google Assistant's killing it. Uh, the crazy thing to me is that like these are all things that you know we would a lot of Apple people would lose their minds at if. Siri got live translations, you know, oh, Google's, yeah. just, Google's just dumping this out at CES. This is this par for the even, course. This isn't even like their main show though. Like they have a whole separate show where they announce their crazy assistant stuff. Oh yeah. This is probably just like little ancillary stuff they've done since then and don't want to include in the next big release of yeah. cool Google assistant stuff. So, uh, it continues marching on, mm-hmm. but yeah. All right. Uh, that's all I had from CES. How about you? That's all I got. Awesome. Thanks, everybody, for listening. You can t- contact us if you want at Twitter. Uh, we are at HackersPod. You can send us an email at hackerslackerpod at gmail.com. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, just being able to hear what you guys think, comments, uh, critique, whatever you have to say, any questions that you have for us, we will happily answer them on air if you want. We can talk. We just love being able to talk to you guys. Um and we will be back next week. Hopefully I'll get this posted by Friday morning. Uh, and don't forget to go to audibletrial.com slash hackerslacker. Yep, happy to be back on our regular schedule and we'll see you next week. All right, bye.